president leaves 300,000 guns on the ground to be picked up by the Taliban and then lectures us on the responsibility of gun ownership? Of course, this is the same man signing bills into law denying the biology of sex, confusing the right to decide which bathroom to use, stating anyone who doesn't agree is a terrorist and should be red-flagged into oblivion? Clearly someone needs a good, strong shot of the truth. Good thing we're here. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And here's Dan Newman. You know what I've figured out? If you're a conservative, if you're a conservative thinking American, if you look at things, you analyze things, and you don't do your analysis based totally on a political perspective, but base it on finding out the things that are right, finding out the things that are wrong, and then figuring out where you insert yourself for your life. It seems those days are over. It seems very few Americans are willing to do that anymore. Instead, it just seems easier to go with the flow, whatever that is. So what's your opinion about gay marriage? What's your opinion about abortion? What's your opinion about packing the Supreme Court? All of these things. When I said those, I guarantee you, 90% of you listening, immediately when I said any one of those things, your default was, well, this is what I believe, so that's the way it is. And we leave it right there. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Thank you for excusing me yesterday, Monday, again, another back situation. And I made the trek from Shreveport, Louisiana to Colleen, Texas, and met with my back doctor. Let me just say this. We have accomplished something regarding my back that I consider to be miraculous. I'll tell you more about it in upcoming days, but it requires these single-day absences where uh, I did have a major back surgery a few weeks ago, and uh, everything went well. When I get this thing all finished up in the next few weeks, I'm going to tell you all about it. And I know if you're a man, especially listening, women too, you're not excluded. But in most cases, if you're a man and you get past the age of 45, excuse me, you're probably going to have some kind of back issue in your life ahead if you haven't already and had to deal with it. And there are so many different reasons, so many different examples of how it happens. Just bear with me for a second, ladies. Uh, This is not an exclusive thing for men, but I want men to understand. There are people in the United States, there are are medical professionals in the United States that are on the forefront in research of finding out how to permanently either repair problems in lower back issues. And a lot of those things come from getting older, from being overweight, for changing your lifestyle rapidly away from everyday types of exercise to keep your muscular system in tone, all of those things and even more are thrown together and it comes from that. But they are everyday finding new ways to make the issues regarding backs either get much, much lower in number and intensity or even doing away with that at all. Now, again, I promised in a couple of weeks, I'll tell you the entire details 
of what has been going on with my back and where we are and give you an explanation of it. But there are two ways to um, stop pain, back pain, from destroying your life and controlling it. Two different ways. One's to get rid of the cause of the pain in your back. Sometimes, in fact, probably more than half the time, that's an impossibility because no surgery is out there that will repair whatever you've done to your lower back. The second, that's the road I've gone down. Never thought about this before. I've had three back surgeries now. Two that kind of instigated this latest venture that I'm on. Those were ordinary back surgeries. The third, and this is the other way to handle back pain that doctors have discovered is very effective. How what is that, Dan? To block the pain. Block the pain in instances where whatever you've done to your back is irreparable. I mean, you still got pain. You got to find a way to live with it, even when the surgeon tells you, we've done all we can do. I have a doctor in the Austin, Texas area who is the foremost expert on doing exactly what our second choice was that I just shared with you. That's the road that I'm on. I'll stop right there. In a couple of weeks, we'll go back down here and I'll give you more information and I'll actually make available to all of you, everybody you're listening, you've had back pain, you have back pain, or certainly there are people you love that have horrible back pain that they can't get answers for. This may not be the answer for them, but it's definitely one to consider when your doctor says, I'm sorry, there's nothing else we can do. Now, how are you doing? Did you have a good weekend? Uh, we haven't spoken since the weekend. I mean, when you come out and the first day of work is Tuesday, I don't know about you, but it makes you look back and say, I missed a lot. Well, there were a lot of things that happened. I guess maybe the best thing for us as Americans was that our president came home from the Middle East. He made a fool of himself over there. We're not going to get into those numerous ways. You've heard all of the big major news organizations just beat that drum until, gosh, I just didn't want to hear anymore. Let's all just assume this is a fact. Our president is inept. He is having cognitive difficulty. It's getting worse and worse. And pretty much everything that he opens his mouth to share is all scripted. And every time he gets off script, he says something that embarrasses himself and the nation. He did He did some of that in Europe. And you all heard about it. There are a lot of scary things about this president and his administration. Today, we're not going to bash Joe Biden. We're not going to do that. But I have some very important things we're going to talk about before this show is over today. And one of them is, I think I've figured out exactly what and why is happening at our southern border. Hmm, I think I have an answer, and I've never heard anybody even mention it. Have you noticed that you haven't seen any politicians getting nose-to-nose with any of the higher-ups in the administration and asking the question, Mr. President, why are you leaving the southern border open? Why are you allowing the flood of people into our nation that we have no idea who they are, what their backgrounds are, what their criminal history is? 
Many of those, Mr. President, have a criminal history here before they were deported previously. Why, oh why, do you want to let these people into the country with no knowledge of anything to do with where they're going, what they're going to do? And secondly, we know that a number among those that are coming in in that crowd are international terrorists. And we're not finding that out in most cases till after they get here. Why are you not just allowing that to happen, but you're pushing that to happen and happen in greater numbers? I've not heard one presidential person in the administration explain that. I've, this is worse. I've not seen a member of the United States Congress ask the president, in public at least, why are you doing this? Now, why don't they do that? The worst that could happen is you'd get an answer, even if you, you get the answer and he says, it's none of your business, it's just part of our administration, and then launch into whatever the political cover is for that particular question that has to be answered from time to time. It's not been answered. I can't find one single place where President Biden has been asked that publicly and given an answer. I'm pretty sure I have the answer, the right answer, the real answer to that question. And then there's our economy. Everybody argues, they want to argue, this is a recession or we're going into a recession. Recession, recession. It's almost like when uh, Trump was in the White House, everything was Russia, Russia, Russia. Now we're getting into the recession, recession, recession mantra. What is a recession? How does it, how's it put together? How does it function? I've got about a five-minute explanation. And it's very simple. It's dumbed down. And not because you're dumb, because it's just simpler to understand. And when these economists say, we're not in a recession, or we're in a recession, or we're in a baby recession, or we're probably going to get in a recession, they never give us any of the facts. They'll say, well, you know, it's because... Uh, the cost of goods and services have just skyrocketed and therefore prices are going up. We have shortages and when the supply and demand product uh, process works, you get your revenue specifically based on the supply of that product or service and, and if you don't have much of it, then the cost of it's going to go up. A lot of that has to do with energy. We'll get into the current it, it, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, the current energy availability in the United States and what's going on and why is it happening and why hasn't President Biden taken action on the energy front? He hasn't. Giving oil away, that's not taking action. Uh, we've got a little um, inside scoop on President Biden giving all that oil away out of our strategic oil supply. We got all that and more this morning on the show. Don't miss a minute of it. And if you do, you can always grab the show at the end of the day when you get home and you have a little bit. Go to the story that's published today, the front page story, truthnewsnet.org. Scroll down to the bottom after the show is over and you can just click on the podcast link right at the bottom. It's easy to see. It's a big purple banner across the bottom. That's what our player looks like. And you can get the show there. Or if you have Apple or if you had, uh, if you have Google, uh, 
podcast, the Apple app on your phone for podcast. You can always grab TNN Live there. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn. I'm leaving some of them out. Let me see who else I missed here. I said Google. I said TuneIn. I, just, I don't think I said Spotify podcast. They have our shows as well. You can get them all. Never miss one. And I'm not saying everything we do here, everybody on earth needs to hear. But I got to be honest with you, it gives somebody a perspective they may not have shared or even heard at some point. And it's always better to know than not to know about important things, right? Well, it was released overnight, and this one just frosted me bad, big time. You know, we have, uh, if you were with us last Friday, when um, Steve Baker, photojournalist, came on the show with us, and we discussed this guy that was apparently some kind of plant in the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. Ray Epps is his name. And one of the guys that, in actual video footage, Ray Epps was promoting or pushing. Ray Epps spent his entire day in Washington that day. He told everybody he was going to hear President Trump's speech. Everybody. When he got to town, he was going to hear President Trump's speech. And it's an oddity that he didn't even listen to one minute of President Trump's speech. He was already close to, getting really close to being at the Capitol, and what he was doing was promoting to thousands of people. And there's photo evidence that shows it, video evidence that shows it over and over and over again. He's not just telling people to go to the Capitol. He keeps saying over and over again, we've got to go in the Capitol. You've got to go inside the Capitol. And we got into what Ray Epps is all about, and I'm bringing that up today just to tell you about one person on one of these videos, and Steve Baker referenced it on Friday, and that is one guy actually listened to what Ray Epps said. He stormed across a barrier, and he's one of the first ones to get into the Capitol. That guy has been in jail for 17 months. Ray Epps who was instigating all of this, and when the FBI got involved in the investigation, Epps was number 17 on their most important people to get their hands on to bring in. He was number 17. And then very mysteriously, a few weeks later, his name was taken off the list. Nobody knows who Ray Epps is. Somebody does, but we don't. The FBI apparently doesn't either nor do they understand or know where he is. Now, I think the FBI saying he's disappeared or we don't know where he is, I think that's a lie. I'm almost positive, and we have whistleblower evidence that has made it very clear, multiple whistleblowers have made it very clear, our intelligence agencies, including the CIA, the FBI, other Department of Justice uh, subunits, planted purposely people in the crowd on January 6th. Exactly who and exactly why and exactly what they did, we don't know that, but we know our government planted a bunch of people in there. So there's a theory out there, and at this point, I will tell you, it's still a conspiracy theory about Ray Epps. It is consistent with what has been documented that Epps was either an FBI plant 
or a CIA plant or one of the other intelligence agencies. And he suborned these people around him, them going into the Capitol illegally. A lot of other things came up in that evidence. But I just wanted to bring out to you very importantly today, Ray Epps is nowhere. And the guy that was seen, the only guy that we watched, millions of Americans watched, Ray Epps incite this guy to break through that barrier and break into the Capitol. That man has been in prison in D.C. in that very mysterious jail where everybody there is treated like Russia treats their prisoners when they're in prison. You only get an hour a day to even see sunshine. You can't shave. You can't bathe. Think about that. That's just inhumane treatment. You would think that our Department of Justice would be all over that. Crickets. Ah, that shouldn't surprise you. (laughs) We don't have a clue why or what our White House does, what's allowable, what's not allowable, and what the president wants to accomplish, and why does he, and how's he going to do it? Well, guess what he's doing today and yesterday? He's back from the Middle East. He had this very successful trip. That's what the White House is saying, and the big reason they're saying it, when he comes back, gasoline prices are going down. Oh, my gosh. President Biden must have found something special in some way to get more oil. He didn't while he was there. He begged. He won't admit that he begged, but he told us before he went over he was going to talk to the Saudi king and the Saudi prince about increasing their oil production so we could get more oil here, which effectively will drop the price of oil at the pump. That didn't work, and he's getting blasted for that, so now he's taking a victory lap because It was our policies that got this oil down. We've released 100 million barrels of oil out of the strategic oil process that we have here, our reserves. That's what's made the price of oil in some cases, the price of gas in some cases drop 50 cents a gallon. It's all me, it's all me. Well, Here's what's a conundrum that he, I just can't believe they don't realize this before they talk publicly about, like this price of gas thing. Who did he say over and over again was responsible for the price of gas going up? Russia, right? Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin was regulating the volume of oil that he would sell to nations in Northern Europe and even around the world. And because if you weren't in the tank with Russia on this Ukraine invasion, he, he didn't sell to you all of those things. That's what drove the price of oil up. It doesn't matter to Biden that every American understands that our prices of oil and every other thing that we have to have, inflation was on a big, big, steep rise even before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. But they're taking their victory laps. They are today because of the 50 cents or thereabouts drop in the price of gasoline at the pump. I I just got to say this. You probably think, and I really think, Biden had nothing to do with it. I think what happened is people just quit 
driving a lot. You know, we got through the beginning of summer. That's where most of the vacationing happens. Transportation by air, car, all those kinds of things. And everybody took the month of June and did that. And now they're not traveling or moving around as much. I think that's probably the biggest piece of it. Secondly, um, there's no question what the White House is doing is a, a double standard. Jared Bernstein, who's a senior economic advisor, he was asked during the White House press conference yesterday whether it's fair for anybody in the administration to take credit for the decreasing gas prices after they spent months, I mean, six, seven, eight months, blaming Russia for their price hikes. I think there's no both ways thinking here at all, this guy Bernstein said. I very much disagree with that framing. It's one of the fastest declines in retail gas prices in a decade. He said the White House and the president are working tirelessly to address rising inflation, especially when it came to the gasoline market. He put his head down, got to work, got us to work, to do everything we could to achieve that goal, said Bernstein's. And of course then he, because he's on national television, he noted gas prices have dropped about 50 cents a gallon over the last 30 days. Officials say the drop is the result of Biden's decision to tap the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and engage U.S. allies to pump more oil. Here's the problem, though. Um, That oil in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, what he's been doing at maximum is a million barrels a day. A million barrels a day doesn't even cover three-fourths of our requirement for oil on a daily basis. So, how much of that is he released to the United States? Wouldn't it be a good idea when they take these claim posts like you just heard this guy say? They come out and say that. Here's what he's done, and look what it's done. They're not telling us how much oil he has released to us. We do know he has sent 6 million barrels of our strategic petroleum reserve to China. Why would we take oil out of our strategic reserve and send it to China? Now, we know China needs it. They're the number one user of oil on the planet, number one importer of oils of oil in the planet. They used a bunch of oil. I understand they would want it, but why, why would we send it? I mean, I can't imagine how anybody in Washington, D.C. would consider that even okay to do, yet alone to do it without going to Congress and notifying Congress that's about what you're going to do. The purpose for that strategic petroleum reserve is to have a reserve for when major catastrophes happen in the United States that affect very negatively our availability of oil. And to have that kind of like saving for a rainy day, that's what it's supposed to be for. I do remember In the Obama-Biden administration, in their eight years, they depleted the oil in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve almost to zero. And when Trump was president and the prices of oil went way, way down, $30 a barrel down there. And we hadn't been at that price in a long time. We're still at $100 a barrel. 
But when it was down at 30, our president then, Donald Trump, he said, hey, look, we've got to replenish all this oil that was taken out of our strategic petroleum reserve by Obama and Biden. Why don't we do it right now? Because oil is so cheap, and they did. He loaded it back up, and he got it at the $30 or thereabout per barrel of uh, oil. That's the price that he got it at. Of course, Biden's selling it for somewhere between there and $100 a barrel, but closer to $100. He's not giving it to China, but why the heck are we doing business with China about the lifeblood of everything that runs and operates in the United States, and for that matter, in every country around the world? That's a question that needs to be asked and answered. I just cannot believe he's done the 6 billion barrels for China from July of last year until June of this year. They auctioned off, his administration did, 5.9 million barrels of strategic reserve oil to UNIPEC, which is the trading division of the Chinese state on Sinopec in an effort to increase the supply of oil globally and drive down fuel costs in the U.S. that were exacerbated by the war in Ukraine and Biden's climate policies. Now, follow that reasoning. This is from the White House, the reason they did it, to increase the supply of oil globally and drive down fuel costs in the U.S. that were exacerbated by the war in Ukraine and Biden's climate policies. Well, oil was up over a dollar a gallon, close to $2 a gallon already when Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. So they're taking a victory lap and making it okay. The reason we're giving our oil or selling our oil to China instead of selling it to our uh, oil companies here to put in our gas pumps, and they did that to increase the supply of oil globally, and to drive down our cost. And now, of course, they're saying, even though when they began, the first couple of tanks of oil that they took out of the reserve and put in our process, oil prices here just kept going up. I'm going to tell you in just a few minutes my opinion of why Joe is sending all this oil to China. Now, Senator Josh Hawley, thankfully, Finally, somebody in Congress is standing up and waving at the White House saying, what the heck is going on there? Josh Hawley, Republican senator from Missouri, has called for an investigation into the Department of Energy's releases of this oil. The letter was directed to the Department of Energy's Inspector General, Terry Donaldson, and says that the strategic reserve exists to protect and serve us, we Americans, not foreign entities, certainly not our adversaries. Hawley also said Americans are suffering to pay for gas while Biden seems to be letting our strategic oil stockpiles flow to foreign countries. Not all of that oil. Six million went to China. Millions of other oil went to other countries. Millions of barrels of oil last month from the strategic reserve that ended up going to foreign nations, including China. November, 50 million barrels of oil. He later released 30 million barrels on March 1st, 180 million barrels March 31st. Hawley said this, while Americans are paying record gas and diesel prices, 
the Biden administration appears to have been letting our strategic oil stockpiles flow to foreign countries and entities. Critically, the American people deserve answers as to how exactly the department justified sending oil to China. Department of Energy's recent transfer of nearly a million barrels of oil to UNIPEC is just one concerning example. Just why? UNIPEC is the red Chinese communist government. That's what it is. Wholly owned subsidiary of Chinese state-owned enterprise. This all comes at a time when our level of oil has fallen to about 492 million barrels, the lowest level since 1985, due to the department's schedule releases of nearly 1 million barrels per day. Now, I told you before we started talking about this issue, we used more than 1 million barrels of oil a day. So call me stupid, but if our government has total control of that, almost half a billion barrels of oil left now after he's robbed it three times, we're using about a million 800,000 barrels a day. So if he took that million that he's taking out every day and just sold it to our oil companies and kept it here in the United States, what do you think would happen? You know what would happen. It would make it okay and possible to regulate the price of oil at the pump for Americans. For Americans. That would be job one. I'm just going to say this. That would be job one in a Trump administration. There is no explanation, plausible explanation, for sending one barrel of our strategic oil reserves to any other country. Period. And if we do, there's got to be a reckoning at the congressional level. We have got to make all such operations, policies, actions, whatever you want to, executive orders, we've got to make those solely the responsibility of the administration. But each and every one has to be approved first by Congress before it can be enacted. In this environment, do you think, even with a Democrat-controlled House and Senate, do you think that our lawmakers would vote to send a million barrels of oil? Well, six million. To China? Even with Democrats controlling it right now, I think the Fuhrer would be so loud from their constituents that if they did it, they'd agree to it one time but then they pull the trigger. Americans are not stupid. And so speaking on that, we're going to take our first break of the day. On the other side of this break, you know, I told you, today two things I'm going to blow up and make you think. One is what's going on with us selling oil to China. I've got the answer for that. And I have the answer for the other one's going to be later in the show That's about our southern border, but you're going to want to hang around for both of them. 
What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 six-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What do you say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT? Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Limited time at participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. So, what's the big, big thing about this oil thing regarding Joe Biden? Skein Atelus is a company that Hunter Biden founded with a 10% stake and BHR Partners. Scanatellus still holds a 10% interest in the company, despite claims to the contrary, according to Chinese business records. Now, what's this mean? Hunter no longer holds any interest directly or indirectly in either BHR or Scanatellus. That's what his lawyer, Chris Clark, claimed to the New York Times. But Chinese business records, they contradict Clark's claim, Chinese site Kixin, Q-I-X-I-N, says the latest filing comes from BHR itself and that it was filed last month. This is according to the Washington Examiner. The 2021 annual report by BHR has an announcement date of June 20th. Scanatellus is still listed as a shareholder, 10% stake. So what does this mean? That means, according to the Chinese, Hunter Biden 
still owns 10% of this company and what does this company do? Oil and gas. China's business registry may not have been changed to reflect Hunter's vacated interest, but with his global profile as the United States president's son, the omission seems unlikely. It should be noted that Hunter's representative has also refused to say who bought the stake in the company and what was paid. Hunter's, I'm going to put it in quotation marks, probable part ownership of BHR Partners is relevant because BHR Partners is the same company leaked to Chinese oil interest to which the Biden administration sold 950,000 barrels of oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve just a few days ago. Hunter and BHR Partners also had significant deals worth hundreds of thousands of dollars regarding Chinese battery manufacturer CATL. Now that's according to data obtained from that infamous Hunter laptop. Before July, Hunter was not the only Biden with a connection to BHR Partners. A couple of years ago, Joe Biden wrote a college recommendation letter for a child of Hunter's Chinese business partner, Jonathan Lee, with whom Joe Biden met in China. Joe Biden met in China. Lee is CEO of BHR. Joe Biden and Lee first reportedly met in 2013 when Hunter flew to China with his dad aboard Air Force Two. Joe and his staff have claimed at least seven times the president has no part in the family business, yet Joe has been involved in the family business at least 13 times now over nine years. Factually proven, shut the book. Now, you know where I'm going with this, where I said I'm going to tell you what's the real thing happening in our selling oil to China. Do you remember on that first trip with Dad on Air Force Two to China that uh, Hunter went on and Joe introduced him to those big business holders over there and they formed this company and this company invested in Hunter Biden's company. Believe it or not, they formed it. It was Hunter's and they invested $1,500,000,000 into that company, all owned by the Chinese Communist Party. Where'd all that money go? Do you think that Hunter slash the Biden family syndicate might have gotten a buck or two or three or four? Well, we don't have the ability to look at where that money went. We can't make the Chinese government tell us anything or show us anything. And let me tell you this, for somebody that has been in business deals in Southeast Asia and across Europe, banking is a little bit different outside of the United States. It is fairly easy to hide a lot of money and also to have easy access to it. I'm going to say something, and I don't want anybody to think this is a big deal or a secret, but I personally have a bank account in Cyprus. I have one, have two actually, in Kuala Lumpur and one in Zurich, Switzerland. And they're in accounts that our federal government has no access 
They can't force anybody to even show what is in those accounts. Now, for full disclosure, I will tell you, each of those accounts, I keep $100 in it so they won't close it, uh, looking ahead for potential business. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, Americans can do that, and Americans do do that. And when you have a billion five that you need to kind of spread around a little bit, and maybe you want to do something over here with a piece of it that you don't want the folks back home to know about, what am I getting at? Let me tell you, Hunter and Joe are obligated to the Chinese Communist Party. Obligated. There is no other plausible explanation for Joe Biden selling one drop of oil to China. Not one. There has to be obligation there. Why would there be any obligation there from the United States to China? There's only one explanation. Obligation. And who knows better about that than quid pro Joe? Do you think Vladimir Putin's kind of laughing every time this kind of stuff comes up and people talk about it? Well, let me give you a Vladimir oil story, a Liberi, Lib, uh, Liberia, Liberia, Liberia tanker carrying about 700,000 barrels of oil from Russian fuel oil arrived in Cuba last week, and that's been confirmed, noting that the shipment demonstrated that Moscow was not only supporting Cuba's communist regime, but also finding outlets for oil stocks shunned by us in the West in response to Russia's latest war with Ukraine. This Aframax tanker, Servosky Prospect is the name of it, it arrived in Cuba's Montanez port on July 14th, had about 700,000 barrels of fuel oil. Cargo's worth about $70 million at market prices right now. The vessel's owned by a top Russian shipping conglomerate, Savkomflot. That's according to maritime database Equisys. And that, of course, is owned by the communist government in Moscow. Russian oil and fuel are currently sanctioned by the U.S. and Canada. Washington spearheaded a financial sanctions campaign against Russian companies on February 24th, just hours after Moscow launched its latest war against Ukraine. That embargo that a bunch of other nations joined in has gained traction among most of our allies, with Europe and Britain planning to impose a moratorium on Russian crude imports by the end of this year. I know this may shock you. It definitely shocked Joe Biden. Joe Biden and all of the climate activists, they must subscribe. Every one of them has to subscribe to this way of thinking about energy. There is so much energy in the universe that we have access to. I mean, when you roll it all together, when you roll, you know, we have sunlight all day, every day. The sun never sets on earth. It's always up and shining somewhere Look at what we can do with all of that energy that comes from the sun. Wow. And then there's wind. Oh my gosh. The wind blows every day. And so what they believe because they subscribe to what I just told you, they think you can just lean over a desk and flip a switch and you go from 
principally obligated and depending on fossil fuel to run your energy operations, you flip the switch from that to green energy, all renewables in one day. You can just do it. So let's do it. Why don't we do it? They've tried to do it very stupidly. I just can't in my mind reconcile how anybody in this administration or any other would not understand it took centuries for us to become energy independent. That's a long time. I mean, when you look back, the discovery of oil in the United States back in the 1800s, look how far we came in less than 200 years. But look what we can do or what we could do before Joe Biden took us backwards and we became energy dependent. There's an old uh, saying that is still out there. When it comes to business deals, obligations, he who owns the gold makes all the decisions. He who owns the gold makes all of the decisions. Now, in this case, when I say who owns the gold, I'm talking about China, and I'm not talking just about actual gold. I'm talking about holding power over people that when you put them all together, and I can't imagine how many people are obligated to China for things. But the only reason, the only logical explanation for us selling any oil to China is because of obligation of Joe Biden to China. If you disagree, please do so. I would love to hear that explanation. I got to be honest with you. I consider myself to be fairly intelligent. I'm very analytical. When I look at something that I don't quite understand and why someone would be doing this or not doing this, I have an old way of life of thinking that It's worked pretty well in my 68 years, and that is I just go examine what's going on. Why? And if it's sound, if it's something that they made a decision based on that is understandable and it's smart or whatever, I give them credit for doing it. I've been trying to do this for months and months. I'm not stupid, and Joe Biden doesn't have another explanation. Nobody... Nobody has asked this president, why are you selling oil to China? I haven't heard or seen it, have you? I would think our media people who are not stupid out there would have asked this by this point. They don't have wonderful access to Joe Biden, but at pretty much every time he goes out and gets on Marine One leaving the White House and or when he comes back, and he's getting off of Marine One going into the White House. I think that should be asked, and I think it should be asked again and again and again, and scream it and holler. Get three or four of your buddies around if you're in the press corps behind the ropes walking from Marine One to the White House and make him give an answer for that. He hasn't done it. I guess everybody heard overnight we had a nuclear bomb here in the United States. 
and it exploded in West Virginia. And the reason it was there is because Joe Manchin, Democrat senator, finally told the administration that Joe's big, big, big financial boondoggle that they have been begging for from the very beginning of this presidency. It is the panacea of the United States of America. If we do this deal, if we promote this $2 trillion spending bill, everything's going to be okay. It's going to instantly, overnight, inflation's gone. The price of gas, our availability for grocery and baby food, all of those things overnight are going to be fixed if we just spend that money. Democrats in Congress to a one, with the exception of Joe Manchin, believe that and are licking their chops to get their hands on that extra money. It's all about spending money. That's all Joe Biden is about. And his fellow Democrats, not only are they allowing it, they are supporting it, and then they're screaming and hollering about high prices and inflation. And it's all about spending. Before the end of this show, I think I told you this. I did at the beginning of this show. We're going to let you hear from the Wall Street Journal an explanation about recession, one that you can understand when people at at national levels in the news, they use that word all the time. What really is inflation? And before we get there, I want to let you listen to Jeff Van Drew. He's a representative from New Jersey talking about early this morning how big a problem is Joe Biden's spending operations and why oh why would he even want to do it um, let me go back to washington for a moment with the uh, joe manchin story the west virginia democratic senator again kind of I guess putting a pin in President Biden's spending agenda with inflation continuing to soar. We want to bring in New Jersey Republican Congressman Jeff Van Drew for more on this. It was interesting, Congressman, to see once again uh, Joe Manchin kind of standing his ground on all of this. I mentioned, for those who don't know, I mean, many do, that you, you know, former Democrats, somebody who switched parties. I, th- I think your perspective would be an interesting one just observing uh, what's happening in this intra party fight on the Democratic side. What do you make of the role Joe Manchin's been playing there in D.C.? Well, obviously, he's been playing a very serious and important role. And just quite frankly, he's right. Biden and the majority in Congress are wrong. I mean, we just can't keep spending the way we're spending. We have to slow down. There's a couple of issues here. One of them is obviously slowing down spending. Second, because of inflation. And and then secondly, you know, I certainly am concerned about the environment. We all are. But some of the legislation that they have just puts trillions of dollars into different programs that we really don't know are going to work or not work. We're pushing too hard, too fast. We're still going to rely on fossil energy for all fossil fuel. And we have to realize that we've just got to calm down. But most of all, we've got to stop spending and then fix all the other problems they have. I mean, I think what Joe Manchin would think, I I can't speak for him, uh, but being that he seems to be more moderate is, hey, how about what are we going to do to make the border better? What are we going to do to make the supply chain better? What are we going to do to make our cities safer? What are we going to do to make sure that our military is better? What are you going to do to make sure that in the military we're not spending all the money on 
woke kind of crazy stuff, but on the things that we really need to do and the things we really need to have. So I, I think he's correct. I would certainly side with him on this issue and definitely right. not with the president and definitely not with the majority in Congress. Now, I know you and others have said that this is on the ballot in the midterm elections, this being inflation, that this is going to be yes. one of the big issues that people uh, vote on. So the Republicans you know, you, uh, may now you may get your chance uh, to govern on this issue, at, at least in terms of you know having control of the Congress if you have a strong midterm election. Now, to be fair, people would look back when the Republicans are in power and say they didn't exactly, in recent history at least, cut spending either. But you're saying this time would be different, that there would be a real push uh, to cut spending in Washington? First of all, yes. Uh, but second of all, and importantly, there wouldn't be just the crazy kind of spending that exists now with this administration, trillions upon trillions of dollars. You know, a lot of the inflation problem and all the problems we have has to do also with many different issues. Obviously, our energy issue mm -hmm. and what we're doing there, which is so wrong, we should be number one and could be number one, and we were number one in the world. And then secondly, the way we dealt with COVID, we didn't work with businesses enough. We didn't work with people in certain ways enough. So we just closed everything down. You close everything down, you're not going to have production. When you don't have production, you don't have stuff that people need. And when that happens, you have too many dollars chasing too few goods and services. So this whole thing, quite frankly, is the Democrats' fault from beginning to end. It's not Putin's fault. It's not the Republicans' fault. It's not some other people that he's named out there every day. It's somebody different. You know, it's some, sometimes when you're an elected official, whether a congressman, a senator, or a president, right. you have to stand up. Tell the truth. Take the heat. Take the heat, or at least some of the heat, or at least you know talk about it being a uh, yep. a, a bunch of different factors and not try to oversimplify it. I guess Jeff Van Drew, thank you, the congressman from New Jersey, a Republican. Thank you for taking the time today. We appreciate that. To be here. Thank you. And we know any time this administration spends money on anything, when they put out this multi-tiered bill, whatever it is, it's full of different types of spending. And then later, as it all trickles out over time. We hear these stories about on these big trillion dollar bills, billions, tens of billions of dollars are stolen or wasted. They're all spent. Oh my gosh, they find ways to spend that money, but it's not being spent on what it was created to fix. And at the end of that, what do you have? You have the same problems <laughs> and most of them, they're not the same when it's all over. They've actually, because of all the money that's been spent, they've gotten worse and worse and worse, not better. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gompertz from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries, bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy, the white round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert, they're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent.
We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, buy two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. You know, there are a lot of things that happen in our government that are purposely hidden from the American people. And even some good things. I, I, I never understood that. When the bad stuff leaks out and the news is out there and every, we're all beating the government to pieces because they allowed this, they did this, or didn't allow this. But there's always a lot of news out there that in many ways would make us look better, make Americans at least feel better about our government. And they're just either hidden or they're very slowly and quietly leaked out there. I ran across this one last night and I hadn't heard about it. You may have already. Nations we know have been and always are developing newer, faster, sneakier weapons than the ones before. And that prompts other countries to create defenses against those new weapons and create better weapons. And you know that process. So with reports claiming both Russia and China now have already successfully launched their own hypersonic missiles, it was just a matter of time before we'd followed suit. So late last week, the U.S. Air Force completed a test of an air-launched rapid response weapon called an ARRW. That sounds kind of like arrow. It was developed by Lockheed Martin. This class of weapons travels over five times the speed of sound. Now, how fast is that? Well, the speed of sounds is 1,100 feet a, a second. So five times that is 5,500 feet a second, which means there's 5,280 feet in a mile. So these things are going a mile a second. Think about that. So we we have one, and we used it. The successful launch took place off the coast of California. After a previous attempt, the booster did not disconnect from the aircraft. And it worked. The Pentagon announced that the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, if you ever hear DARPA discussed in any conversation In context, it's usually something sinister and evil. This is the branch of the government, or at least one of the branches of the government, that when somebody in the government wants to do something that is so egregious, so nasty, so serious, that they don't want anybody else to know about it, it gets put on DARPA's plate. DARPA also completed a hypersonic mission weapons test in New Mexico's White Sands Missile Range, 
as part of its operational fires program. So in contrast to the other missile, a high-mobility artillery rocket system launcher fired this one from the ground. So we're living in an ever-changing climate for weapons and military tech, and it's definitely, it's almost like it was in the Cold War, where if Russia, if China do something, by jingos, we got to do something just like it, but a little bit better. But at least now you know we have those hypersonic missiles that we can use them. So what do you think about all this mess about Nancy Pelosi and Paul Pelosi? I got to ask you, does this, what's going on now, does this not illustrate for American citizens exactly how corrupt are people in our government that we elect to go represent them, represent us? So after Paul Pelosi, Speaker's husband, purchased 20,000 shares of stock in one of the world's largest semiconductor companies and did so days, just days ahead of a congressional vote on a bill that would send billions of taxpayer dollars to a bunch of different domestic semiconductor manufacturers. In the middle of all of that, which you and I both know, that is simply corruption at the highest level. He buys stock in a company that just a few days later, his wife has the power to pass a bill in the House that gives this company and all others like it billions of dollars. That shouldn't be allowed to happen. So police, Pelosi's office, Speaker Pelosi's office, was once again forced to come out with a statement explaining that it's all totally legitimate and not at all an example of insider trading. I can't even believe she would say that. I can't believe that one American would even believe that. Why? Because it's happened in the Pelosi's family over and over and over again. So much so that back when she was Speaker the last time, years ago, it was so bad in Congress that Congress itself, the House, passed what's called the Pelosi Rule, which makes it illegal for members of the U.S. Congress to buy stocks in any companies or in any sector of our economy that they're passing bills on or considering in legislation. And the Pelosi's have been doing it so corruptly for so long. The bill is named the Pelosi Bill. Paul purchased between $1 and $5 million worth of NVIDIA stock. Just happens that senators are convening as early as today to vote on a bipartisan competition bill. What would it do? It'll set aside a whopping $52 billion bucks to boost domestic semiconductor manufacturing. The bill would also provide manufacturers with tax credits for production. So what does all that mean? That $52 billion, what does that all mean? Well, with that money, these companies that they give that money to, those companies will go out, they'll hire people, expand, 
They'll give their employees more money. They'll come up and go to market with new ideas almost automatically. The stock price value of each of these companies is going to skyrocket. And what happens then? Paul and Nancy have between $1 million and $5 million worth of NVIDIA stock today. Betting on the come that it's going to come. It goes up and up and up in value. And they made this decision based on information that you didn't have and I didn't have. When asked about it directly, Nancy's answer was, hey, I don't have any stock. I don't trade any stock. And I don't know anything about what my husband does in trading stock or even any of his commercial real estate business. I'm staying out of that. Well, here's my question. We're going to move on. Why, when they passed the Pelosi rule, didn't they say that no trading of stocks or any type of financial instrument can happen by anybody that works in Congress, their immediate or their extended family members. They cannot participate in any type of stock transactions while they're in Congress. I don't even think that would totally stop it, but it would sure make it so that direct input on making these stocks that Nancy and Paul bought, bought the one to five million that they bought in that company, NVIDIA, directly NVIDIA's stock prices are going up, even as we speak. In our next break, I'm going to tell you exactly where it is today. That's just not right. That's just not right. Well, where is the next president of the United States? Where is she? Of course, I'm talking about the vice president, Kamala Harris. What is she doing? Well, I can tell you what she's one thing that she's very good at is running off employees. She loses a second speechwriter in a wave of side-splitting offers of help or pouring in. Her aides are jumping ship, including a second speechwriter. Tweeps are hilariously mocking the department with helpful writing suggestions. <laughs> Two more top aides are exiting stage left and a long procession of those heading for the door in Kamala's Titanic. Domestic policy advisor Rohini Kosklu announced she's going to leave in August. Director of speechwriting Megan Grube stepping down after only four months on the job. Grube took over for Kate Charles Graham who left back in, set, uh, in, Feb, in February. Group's departure follows a particularly vapid speech that Harris gave last week concerning transportation. Here's what she said. Together we are expanding access to transportation. Seems like maybe it's a small issue, but it's a big issue. You need to get to go, and you to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. That went viral worldwide. This is a quote. You need to get to go and you to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. I promise you that line didn't come from a speech written by this speechwriter that is leaving. Kosoglu had been with Harris for about six years she served on the VP's presidential campaign, then her transition team, and finally shows up in the vice president in her office. 
She's giving the canned excuse of spending more time with her family. Harris called her brilliant and trusted leader who has been at my side for years from the U.S. Senate to the campaign trail to the White House. She has brought vision, strategic judgment, and a depth of experience as our administration has addressed some of the most urgent challenges facing our nation. This is from VP Harris. She is an exceptional public servant, and I am enormously grateful for her service. Rohini will reign a valued advisor and friend. Now that paragraph I just read to you, obviously it wasn't Harris giving a speech saying that. It wouldn't have sounded anything like it says. But she's losing people like water. It's amazing. And I got to be honest with you, if you don't know anything about political jobs below the top, I'm talking about, you know, people that are elected and maybe their assistants right below them. If you don't know anything about that, the people that work underneath that, they are extremely, not only committed to Congress and working there and excited about it, they are so committed to the candidates for which they work that in most cases, they'd fall on a sword just to keep that candidate from being hurt. That's how committed they are. Some of the most committed and loyal and faithful people you'll ever meet. And the jobs never pay big money. But it is always, especially when you serve for somebody in the Senate or the House, or especially in the White House, typically those things turned into really good opportunities for employment that pay a lot of money. That's why those people are doing it. Well, you know about the transgender member, the only one in Biden's cabinet, Secretary for Health, Rachel Levine. This is kind of shocking what's going on here. She said transgender youth need to be empowered to get gender affirmation treatment on MSNBC yesterday. Levine is transgender, said transgender youths are threatened by mental health issues, bullying, and political attacks, and the treatment of these youth should affirm their perceived gender identity and empower them to get sex change treatments. She is encouraging those people to get sex change operations. She said, so we really want to base our treatment and to affirm and to support and empower these youth not to limit their participation in activities and sports and even limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state. She said that talking to Andrea Mitchell. She previously, Levine did, endorsed Biden's June 15th executive order that expanded access to sex change treatments for children, for children, for children. I don't even know that should be a thing. When have you ever met a kid, still a child? What is the definition of still being a child? You're not a teenager yet. So a child, in my estimation, in the estimation of most Americans, is somebody up to and through age 12. Do you know anybody those ages that legitimately has the mental perspective the learning, the education, the understanding of all things in life that are pertinent to a possibility of a sex change, I don't know a single one. 
So how does she define sex changes? She calls them gender affirmation treatments, and they include socially transitioning to the opposite sex, puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgeries. Trans youth are vulnerable. They suffer significant harassment and bullying, sometimes in schools or their communities, she said. They have more mental health issues, but there's nothing inherent with being transgender or gender diverse which would predispose youth to depression or anxiety. It's the harassment and bullying. Now they are suffering politically motivated attacks through state actions against these vulnerable transgender youth. This is not based upon data. These actions are politically motivated, she said. Now let me ask you a question about this. We never hear any conversations. We never hear anybody that has made this switch that comes back and says, it's the best decision I ever made. I've never heard a single person say that. There are people that have made it and are doing pretty darn well. I understand that. But what nobody wants to talk about is what is white life like after a sex change operation with all this puberty blocking and hormone treatment, what's their life like regarding what she just gave as the reasons to even get it? She talks about getting bullied. You don't think if you are a trans that you're not going to be bullied? You don't think you're going to be bullied? You don't think that you're going to be a marked person in the social standings around you? Is it going to be better or worse pre-sex change and after? Which one? Nobody talks about the after. I read a story last week of a girl that uh, had a sex change operation when she was six years old. Full transition. And she's in her 20s now, and her life is horrible. But there's nothing you can do after you have a sex change operation. Do you think a 6-year-old, a 12-year-old has the mental capacity to make that kind of decision and should be allowed to do that at that age? I just don't believe it. I don't believe anybody can reconcile that. In any way. When we started the show, I told you I have ferreted out the explanation for Joe Biden opening the doors at the southern border, keeping them open, and letting in millions of illegals to live all across our nation, most of who we know nothing about, and the American public are financially supporting them. How much? They won't tell us, they won't release it. I have the answer, the explanation for what President Biden is allowing this to continue for. That's next. And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get this 
soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Eddie? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. The view from the top is reserved for the bold. And the bold tell the truth. Truthnewsnet.org So I want to start this segment about what's really going on, the reasoning for allowing so many illegals into our nation. I want to start it by letting you listen to somebody, a senator, U.S. senator, who has real good information about this. But she's not from a border state. Now, one would think you got to be a living um, in one of these border states. That would be California, Arizona, New Mexico, or Texas before you could come out with a real explanation and also objectively talk about what's going on at the southern border. Joni Ernst, U.S. Senator from Iowa, you know, it's not even close to the southern border. She went to the southern border late last week. Listen to her conversation with Larry Kudlow. So, more dead bodies than in Afghanistan. That's how the southern border is being described. Right now, we bring in Senator Joni Ernst, who was just down there and joins me. Uh, Senator Ernst, it's great to see you. Uh, Thanks, Larry. I know somebody else said it, but you also said it. And I, I just want to make sure people understand, you yourself served in Iraq in 2003 and 2004. God bless you, ma'am, for that. But it's that bad down there. Is that what you're saying? Uh, replace the Taliban with the cartel. They're basically the same type of organization and so forth and so on. Worst thing you've ever seen? 
Yes, it is. And we had a landowners' rights meeting. And what we heard from those landowners, and one in particular who did serve as a Marine at the end of Afghanistan, and he had felt the same way. And he, he said, I feel like I'm serving in a war zone again. He said, just replace the Taliban with the cartel, and you have southern Texas. So he described a situation where they are finding bodies on their land. The Brooks County Sheriff also stated that they have found more than 120 bodies just in the course of the past year. It is crazy what we see going on, Larry, and it's all due to the Biden administration's policies when it comes to border and border crossings. You know, I'm reading through this Washington Times uh, article by Steve Dynan that uh, he interviewed you. It's a heck of a story, by the way. Folks should, should read yes. this thing. But um, you've got over 200,000 coming across the border there in June, 207,000, still up about 10 percent, uh, 1.7 million so far in FY 2020. Here's one that I picked up, though, Senator. Uh, 56 people uh, were on the terrorist list who have been picked yes. up. And that number is growing by leaps and bounds. And that's really something. Yes, it is. So we know that over 50 people that are on the terrorist watch list have been apprehended. We don't know how many have gotten over the border that maybe are on that watch list, but we weren't able to apprehend. They also stated that countries' uh, representation coming across the border, over 151 countries. So we're not just talking about people coming from Mexico or Honduras. People are coming from all around the globe because they know this is the easy ticket into the United States. You pay the cartel anywhere from eight to $70,000 per person and you can get across the border. And they know that these policies are very receptive of people breaking the law. They will be given a notice to appear and sent on their merry way into to the interior of the United States. It's bad policy. We need to stop it. And in addition, um, 207,000 migrants were caught in June. 92,000 were sent back to Mexico under Title 42, uh, the pandemic health emergency. But that's going to end? Or where does that stand? Or what's the battle on that? You were kind of leading the charge or helping to lead the charge to maintain that. What can you tell us, Senator? Yes, likely to end at some point. But what I would like to say as well is that we also view all of the drugs com coming across the border as a national emergency as well. So if we're willing to lift it for COVID-19, perhaps we should be looking at the drugs that the cartels are trafficking into the United States, making every single one of our states a border state. So this is not just an issue that the poor folks down in Arizona and Texas are facing. This is a nationwide issue. This is a humanitarian crisis and something that could be prevented if only this administration would step up and do it. Well, that's the thing. So the Bidens keep saying, you know, various Bidens, Mayorkas and so forth, that yeah. um, they control the border. You're saying the cartels control the border. 
Absolutely, Larry. The cartels are controlling the border. The cartels actually have sectioned off our southern border. Various cartels uh, are in charge of various sections. They charge what they want. They direct the people that they want over the border. They will traffic those that they want. Now, they are charging those individuals, as I said, anywhere from $8,000 to $72,000 per person. But they will also require payment. And if you can't meet full payment to the cartel, how do you think some of those individuals are required to pay it back? We know that they're trafficking humans and sex trade over the border. We know that they're trafficking weapons, they're trafficking drugs, they're smuggling terrorists over the border. When is this administration going to get serious about protecting our own nation? We just saw appalling situations down there, Larry, and I wish more Democrats would actually go visit the border, hear from the Border Patrol agents that are doing an exceptional job in a really difficult time and actually want to do something about it. I don't know. It'd be nice if the president and the vice president went down to the border. Yes. You know, that wouldn't yes. be a bad thing either. One other one. Well, I've got two quickies for you, uh, Senator. Sure. Um, one of them is people are starting to come over the northern border, the Canadian border, in larger and larger numbers. Uh, that according to your interview with the Washington Times. Now that's kind of, I don't know if it's brand new information, but I'm not sure the public knows that. No, and that's, that's a situation that we're in right now, is that we know that our borders are porous, the southern border especially. That's the one that we focus on because we do have so many drugs, weapons, uh, humans that are being used in sex trade, you name it. Um, but we do have to pay attention to our own national security as well. And that's where President Biden has not enforced policy that should be enforced. And people know that we're an easy target easy to get into the United States, so why not? When we have refugees that we have removed from Afghanistan, when we are working with the Ukrainian government to resettle those Ukrainians, when we can't even help them, and yet we have people that are swarming over the border and not coming in with illegal with legal entrance, then it is an issue. So we need to be protecting our borders, and President Biden just refuses to do that. The obvious thing is a question. What you just heard from Senator Ernst, and she doesn't have a direct dog in the hunt. She's a senator from Iowa, so she's looking at our southern border as a U.S. senator that is worried about the entire nation. That's what the job is of United States senators. They don't just represent a small congressional district. They look at it from the top down. Why, oh why, is our border being left open and not just being left open, but is being used as a tool to get more illegals and more illegal stuff into the United States, basically unobstructed. No concept of understanding who's among those people coming over, what their health statuses are, what their criminal statuses are, and you add to that the drugs that are coming over. We've caught drugs, one particular one, fentanyl, so much at the southern border, what our border agents have caught, more than enough to kill every American eight times. So you have that. 
So we have the illegal activities of all these criminals that come into the nation. And when I say criminals, folks, I'm not talking about, you know, the really bad criminals, gangbangers or that kind of, everybody that steps across the U.S. border anywhere, north or south, everybody that does that and does not have written proof that they're authorized by our government to do so is committing a criminal act. So they're criminals. So all of those illegals that come in that don't go through the process and log in and do the thing of, you know, having an asylum hearing and staying put waiting for that asylum hearing, how many, what percentage of those that come across do that? I would be venturing a guess and I think I would be close 1%, generously 2%. The rest of them are just anywhere they want to go. And then, of course, there's the drug money. Let's talk about the drug money for a second. Not billions of dollars. Hundreds of billions of dollars of illegal drugs are coming not from Mexico, not from Central America, not from Southern America, South America, which we know there is drug trafficking coming from those places. But the massive amount of drugs that come across our southern border now are coming at the behest of China. Where are you going with this, Dan? There's one more element I need to throw in here. Human rights activists in Europe and Asia, not in the United States, not in Canada, not in Western Europe, but in other parts of Europe and Asia, They're looking at the United States and they are now calling the United States of America and our southern border the number one sex and human trafficking entity in the world. Nobody wants to talk about that. We talk about the drugs. We talk about the illegal criminals coming here and not having any way to control anything about them. We don't even know where they are. We talked about that, but we never talk about the human trafficking and the sex trafficking. Principally kids. Who's driving that boat and how and why could anybody in office that has the power to cut off all of that but just quietly lets it happen, continue over and over, year after year after year. Why would that happen? And why won't Joe Biden fix it? He's working for somebody. And it's not, in this case, the American people who were elected. He was elected to represent, not China, not South America, Central America, nor Mexico, Not anybody in Africa, nobody in Asia. He was elected to represent you and me only. He was elected to only work for us. And yet everything we just mentioned, you can look and you can take it back and point it to China. To China. Somewhere in your life, you have been either on the sending side or the receiving side of this concept. You do something for somebody or somebody does something for you. And if you're the one that does it for someone else, 
you're going to expect at some point in your relationship, there's going to be a quid pro quo there. You do the quid, they're going to do the pro. And vice versa. If they do a good for you, they're going to expect something from you in the future if and when they ask for it. There is no logical other explanation for Joe Biden continuing not only to not prosecute, not only to not stop those people coming in, but to open the gates and wave them in and to make speeches and say things that encourage these people to continue to come. What fuel is driving that entire thing? There's only one plausible explanation, and it goes back to obligation. Why would Joe Biden be selling 6 million barrels of oil out of the U.S. strategic reserves unless he was obligated? Why would Joe Biden continue to let the southern border stay wide open when billions of dollars of illegal drugs and human and sex trafficking dollars are at stake? When the nastiest and probably the most powerful government on the planet, and I'm not talking about us anymore, I'm talking about China, when they, we know factually, have relationships, financial relationships, with the President of the United States through his previous administration work in the Obama administration and through his son and the Biden family syndicate. If you don't think China's got a dollar or two at stake at our southern border, you're actually not being realistic. It's happening, folks, and the reason it continues is because President Biden is obligated to China, and all they're doing is forcing him to act upon the obligation he has to them because of what they did for him, maybe some of it directly. I would guess that most of it came from and is still coming from Hunter Biden. If that's not a good explanation for it, I'd love for you to call at 1-866-378-1-866-37-TRUTH. 1-866-37-TRUTH. And let me know what you think the real explanation for that is. And if it's any other, please tell me what it is. Give me your basis for thinking it. I just think President Biden has gone over the hill and he's totally in the tank now. I think it's done. I think it's done. And I think he is so entrenched in it and so caught in that web that he can't do anything else but comply with those who own the gold. And in this case, it's China. 
And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pants Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free! Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pants Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> ah! Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. The view from the top is reserved for the bold. And the bold tell the truth. Truthnewsnet.org. Wow, that's a bunch of noise here. Sorry about that. Back to business as usual. And on the backside of that, that's a really big deal. I'm watching it from that perspective, not from that perspective only, just watching it to see if what I think is real there and that China thing at the southern border, China thing at us selling them oil out of our strategic oil reserves. I'm open for considering any explanation, anything that's plausible. But I think what I just shared with you in both of these cases is plausible, and we should consider the possibility of what can happen in that case. If Joe Biden is doing all of this unilaterally, which he is now, you do understand everything happening at our southern border, it's on his call, only his call. Everything happening on what and who and how much we take out of the strategic oil preserves and who we sell it to, that's on his watch. He has the sole authority to do that right now. That's another thing. I'm one of those people that I don't believe in executive orders. I think anything to do with the United States infrastructure, the United States and our financial obligations, and anything in that regard we do with anybody on earth, it should be done at the behest of only the American people. That means the people that we elect to go to Congress to determine everything that our government does, everything that they do. And I know there are, there are a lot of Republican presidents that have just really worked the executive order system over. I don't like it. I never have. That doesn't speak of the part of anything that the American people 
want to not, see happen or want to not happen. That comes through our representatives. That's why I love so much that the Supreme Court, regardless of what these sycophants scream and holler, they overturned Roe v. Wade. They did not overturn Roe v. Wade. All they did was say Roe v. Wade was not a constitutional decision. And they sent the yes, we will or no, we want decisions out and away from Washington, D.C. back to the people's representatives at the state level. Every woman that wants an abortion can still get that abortion in almost all of the 50 states, but certainly in at least 40. Abortion is still legal. So why all the screaming and hollering? It's not about the abortion rules specifically. It's about the fact that the government, the federal government, lost power. Power was taken away from them that was never given to them by the American people, by the way. The federal government took it, and they called it constitutional, and they got the court in 1973 not to rule that abortion was legal, but that a woman has unfettered right to determine anything and everything about her own health care, lumping abortion into that definition. And very simply, this Supreme Court said it's nowhere in the Constitution. Nothing they said in 73 was justified to make abortions illegal. It's nowhere in the Constitution. That's what the Supreme Court's all about. That's why they viewed it that way. Have you kept up with the aftermath about what's going on down in Uvalde, Texas? I mean, it seems like every day more news comes out that says these policemen down there, they almost single-handedly as a group of police in Uvalde, they allowed the deaths of all of those kids and teachers. There's new news out about the Uvalde um, slaughter of those people and the cops that were involved in it. You need to hear firsthand what the people in Uvalde are hearing from their news. Our team coverage continues now with a new report by a state house committee that outlines a series of failures. Yeah, including law enforcement response, as we, as we have been checking, school safety protocols, and possible warning signs about the gunman that went unnoticed. Cheryl Mercedes joins us with some of the takeaways from the report, Cheryl. Well, Len, doors that were supposed to be locked at all times, according to school policy, were not. The committee also said that staff frequently lost, forgot, or simply did not want to carry school keys. And that was just one of many tragic mistakes. A total of 376 officers responded, including law enforcement from 23 jurisdictions, yet no one took control of the scene. The school's active shooter policy, which was signed by School District Police Chief Pete Arandondo, stated the chief will become the person in control of the efforts of all law enforcement and first responders that arrive at the scene. The Uvalde police chief was on vacation on the day of the shooting. The acting chief, Lieutenant Mariano Pargas, was told to set up a command post. He testified that he went to the funeral home to set one up, but the investigation found that this did not result in the establishment of an effective command post. He is now on administrative leave. We also learned more about the shooter and the classroom where he carried out his attack. According to the committee report, the shooting took place in the shooter's 
former fourth grade classroom, where his former teacher testified he claimed to be a victim of bullying. Of the 376 officers who responded to the school shooting, 91 of them were from the Texas Department of Public Safety, which announced today an internal review to determine if any policies or laws were violated. We've also learned that the 376 officers all came from big and small agencies, some an hour away from Uvalde. Now, we talked to a few of those agencies, and they told us that when they arrived at the school, it was no longer an active situation. We are still waiting to hear back from some agencies to see exactly how many were there at that active scene. Len? Yeah, Cheryl, the evidence looks quite damning. 376 officers responded to that school. Rob Elementary, 376. Not a one of those cops, with the exception of the one or two or three that actually shot and killed the shooter, ever got involved in any of it. They just waited and waited and waited. I got to be honest with you. There has been so much information that has been reported as these investigations are ongoing about the responsibility for this. The police at every level in that particular situation, the local police, the cop police for that school district, their policemen, those two groups, along with the Texas Department of uh, um I forget what they call it, TDS, Department of Security, the police, state police people. They just lost it. And because of their inactions, all those people were slaughtered that day. It's a very tragic thing to happen. Well, I mean, we're getting down to our last 15 minutes, golly. I told you I wanted you to hear a little bit about what recession really is because we're hearing that word used all the time and we know it has to do with bad economic situations. But the Wall Street Journal, every once in a while the Wall Street Journal, they come out with a good idea and they came out with this good idea and they went with it yesterday explaining what is recession, what goes in to make it happen. And so they put together this, I think it's about 10 minutes, But I think every American needs to hear it to understand, even if you know what recession is, compare it to where we are today. And are we in recession or are we going to even have one? If you look at every U.S. recession, well, since World War II, you'll see two things always happen. The GDP, the measure of economic output, goes down and unemployment goes up. For most Americans, when do you feel a recession? It's when you're still worrying about your job. Now let's look at today. The GDP is going down. Even the head of the Federal Reserve says a recession is certainly a possibility. But the unemployment rate, it's actually falling. More people are getting jobs, not losing them. We don't know if it's a recession. What we can say is that if it is one, it's not like anything we've ever seen before. Here's why. The reason the GDP and unemployment are always together is because they feed on each other. When businesses lay off workers, people spend less money, which means businesses make fewer profits and lay off workers. A recession can begin at any of these points. And in 2022, people could cut back on spending. Just look at consumer sentiment, a measure that weighs how people are feeling about the economy and whether they plan to spend money soon. 
Generally, when people respond that they feel more pessimistic, a recession follows. And right now, they're feeling about as good as during the Great Recession in 2008, thanks to inflation. Not a great sign for the GDP. If people are frustrated by high inflation, if they think inflation is going to stick around for a while, they might pull back, convince companies to cut back, and that leads to worse outcomes for the economy. But businesses are in a different place than past recessions. This chart shows the average corporate profit margin. In the past, profits were in the single digits, leading into several recessions, including 2001. That was a business-driven recession where companies overinvested. They decided they had to cut back in order to rebuild their profit margins, and that led us right into a recession. The bubble has now burst. I would not argue yet that we've seen the bottom in NASDAQ or in our tech index. So are we back in one of those cycles? In some ways, it doesn't look like that because profit margins are so high right now. Not only are corporate profits in double digits, but the amount of cash they have is close to $4 trillion. Analysts say that's a significant downturn buffer. They might just decide they can weather this storm and not lay off workers and not cut back on investment and kind of get us to the other end of this adjustment without a big retrenchment that feeds on itself. And companies have an incentive to not lose any workers because many are having problems finding workers in the first place. It's a really unique time in the job market. The labor force participation rate is as low as it's been in 40 years. And it isn't all due to the pandemic. The rate has been declining for a long time. You can see it in the unfilled job rates too. As more people leave the labor force, the more job positions become available. Add in a pandemic, and that's a lot of jobs. 11 million jobs are out there that they just can't find people to fill. Now, to put that in perspective, if you look back at, say, 2019, when the economy was considered to be exceptionally strong, unfilled job openings were 7 million. So, like, here we are talking about a downturn in the economy, and we have 4 million more jobs open than we had even at the height of the last expansion. So you have to ask yourself the question, why is that? Why is that happening? One answer is that there's generational change happening in the economy. We have millions of baby boomers who are retiring. So there's just not as many workers out there. It's also been the case that there's just been really strong demand for goods and services, in part because of all the stimulus that was pumped into the economy during the pandemic. And so that combination of labor shortages and strong demand created this really robust job market. And it's this robust job market that could make a 2022 recession, if one develops, so different. After past recessions, there was what was called jobless recoveries, where GDP began to grow back, but companies continued to lay off workers. Right now, we're seeing a mirror image of that, where the economic output is contracting and companies are still hiring. It's what I'm calling a jobful downturn. But how long could an economic downturn really be jobful? This is unsustainable, right, to have economic output contracting at a time when companies are hiring. So one of two things has to happen. Either the economy adjusts and companies start expanding again, or... The economy keeps contracting, economic output keeps contracting, and companies say, whoa, we're over our skis and we've got to cut jobs. One of those two things is going to happen. We just don't know which of the two. No recession has ever looked exactly like another. And if there's a recession in 2022, it won't look like anything we've seen before either. Just you and me talking. Now, I'm not an expert. And uh, you just heard some of those from the Wall Street Journal who are experts 
I never heard any one of them. I never heard any one of them say that we might be already in a recession. I think basically what is going on is this is a new type of recession. And I think they, they touched on something that is uh, the biggest piece of all this. It's all the money that the federal government has spent over the last couple of years. They spent money we don't have. Now, granted, they put a bunch of it into the economy, directly into the American economy. Yeah, they th- they put it through through uh, giveaways to a bunch of companies, a bunch of individuals, and that's supposedly, and in the past, every time they've done that, it's really been a good shot to the economy. But for some reason, the American economy hasn't responded like when that happened in the past, although nothing to the extent, to the degree that this government did compares to any previous type of operation like this. There's never been one like this. And so if we are going to have a recession, it's going to be a brand new model. And quite honestly, folks, I'm not a professional. I'm not an economist. But looking at and going through some pretty nasty um, recessions in the past in my personal life and business life, I think this is really a recession that we're in and the rules and the parameters that will call it an absolute recession model going forward are being built as we speak. But it has been driven in large, if not in all, by the spending of the federal government that has changed the economic model into something we've never seen before. Now, they did weigh in on that. We've never seen anything like this. I'm just talking at ground level. Again, these are people that are pontificating about, they look at all the uh, the equations and the parameters in the past that have defined past recessions in the U.S. This one is very different. So with Joe Manchin, Democrat senator from West Virginia, with him kind of killing President Biden's Build Back Better plan, he basically said, I'm not going to cross the aisle and fund it. I'm not going to support that kind of spending. Guess what Biden has got up his sleeve? He's probably going to call for a national climate emergency this week. This is in the wake of his Build Back Better plan imploding. So at the end of last week, Joe Manchin refused to go forward with the Build Back Better plan. And his reason for doing so, it's climate and energy programs, as well as it's raising of taxes on wealthy Americans. He says, we just can't, we just can't do that. And the New York Times reported Manchin effectively shattered Biden's ambitious climate agenda, which aimed to be the largest single federal investment in American history toward addressing the toll of climate change. Without action by Congress, it will be impossible to meet Mr. Biden's goal of cutting U.S. emissions roughly in half by the end of this decade. That's according to the New York Times. Not a scientist, but a writer. That target was aimed at keeping the planet to stabilize the climate about, get ready for this, one and a half degrees Celsius, oh my gosh, of warming 
compared to pre-industrial levels. One and a half percent. This is all. All these trillions of dollars that governments around the world are quote-unquote investing in climate change stuff. If everything they have planned works out, and you and I both know everything they have in this is never going to work out, but even if it did, the best that they can hope for is one and a half degrees Celsius. I just don't think, I just don't think that is a logical thing to do. Defeated and with hardly any options left, the White House and sources close to it are saying the Washington Post included They're talking about the president's desire to declare a climate emergency this week and announce a whole slew of additional actions aimed at curbing planet warming emissions. Quote, the president made clear that if the Senate doesn't act to tackle the climate crisis and strengthen our domestic clean energy industry, he will. Now that's coming from an anonymous White House official. We are considering all options. No decisions have been made. Likewise, top White House economic advisor Jared Bernstein told reporters yesterday the president would work aggressively to fight and attack climate change. I think realistically there's a lot he can do and there's a lot he will do. Other Democrat senators have called on the president to take more forceful action to address their pet issue of climate change. Even though the latest polls show most Americans are primarily concerned with inflation and economic woes. This is an important moment. Here we go. Pontification at the top. There is probably nothing more important for our nation and our world than for the U.S. to drive a bold energetic transition in its energy economy from fossil fuel to renewable energy. Senator Jeff Merkley, Democrat of Oregon, said that yesterday. This also unchanged the president from waiting for Congress to act. While I strongly support additional executive action by President Biden, we know a flood of Republican lawsuits are going to follow. This is another Oregon senator, Ron Wyden, said. Legislation continues to be the best option here. The climate crisis is the issue of our time, and we should keep our options open. Let me ask a, a stupid question, Senator. Why don't you show us the plan? Give us a plan. You want to spend all this money. Give us the specifics. And every one of them must do with climate change directly, not indirectly. No over here and over there spending. Give us the plan and give us the evidence you have that shows these actions will tackle climate change and will make significant change over the next decades regarding climate change that you say we need. You guys have a great Tuesday. See you tomorrow. When I was a boy, I had a dream All about the things I'd like to be Soon as I was in my bed Music played inside my head When I was a boy, I had a dream I was a boy, I learned to play 